Hello and welcome to my podcast, The Power of Audio, Science and AI, supported by Stockholm Music City. I am Jasmine Moradi, your host, and in each episode, I'll take you backstage to meet with some of the top audio, science and AI personalities in the world. I will interview entrepreneurs, authors, business experts and thought leaders to learn how and why they're so passionate and determined about what they do. I will give you the knowledge and the insight your business needs to succeed with your audio branding. Hello. Hello. My guest today is my friend Thomas Liddy. We met in Athens 2018 when I was involved in the European Horizon 2020 research project Future Pulse through Soundtrack Your Brand. Thomas is from Vienna, Austria, and has been active in semantic audio analysis and AI-based music recognition since 2004. He has a Master of Science and has pursued a PhD in Computer Science from Vienna University of Technology, where he also started his research career focusing on music information retrieval. Previously, Thomas was the founder and CEO of the music discovery startup Spectral Mind. Today, he is the Chief Innovation Officer at MusicMap, a company combina- combining human knowledge and AI to gain insight into music and music consumption. Together with his team of musicologists and data scientists, he has created an emotion-aware music AI that is able to analyze both music and people based on emotional signature in order to enhance music recommendation and enable completely new branding opportunities with a deep link to people's music preferences. Thomas is the creator and co-host of the successful Vienna Deep Learning Meetup. He has also co-organized AI Summit Vienna 2017 and has published over 40 publications in the field of music analyze and AI. In this episode, Thomas and I are going to discuss the ins and outs of emotional AI and music analyzes and recommendation. With that, Thomas, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. Long time no see. Yes, indeed. Long time no see. Thank you, Jasmine. And thank you for inviting me to your podcast series. It's a pleasure to me for me to, to be here with you. And yeah, let's talk about this uh, topic. Amazing. Um, how are you feeling in uh, times like this? I'm actually pretty okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, it's a very uh, interesting experience because I've been traveling a lot uh, in the times before the COVID pand- pandemic. Um, now, Music Maps team is entirely remote, distributed all over Europe in three different time zones. Uh, that's a new experience, um, well, partially new for me, because sometimes I have been working from home office. Now it's fully home office, but um, everyone among my colleagues and family and friends is healthy. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm getting uh, through the pandemic well, and uh, let's hope we're um leaving this behind us soon and can get back to normal uh but so far um MuseMap is working very well uh in this remote setup and we are progressing also very well i'm i'm very happy to hear this and you have a spectacular background and expertise in your field so i'm interested to understand looking back in the mirror what was it in your motivational drive and curiosity as a boy that brought you to where you are today with music analysis and AI? 
Yeah, it probably all started uh, when I was a kid, around 12 years old, roughly, let's say, uh, when I got my first computer, that was an Amiga 500. And uh, soon after having that, um, I put aside the games and started to look into um, making music with the, the new computer, looking to audio software, audio programs, and yeah, uh, creating and composing a few songs. I wasn't a great composer, but it was a lot of fun, and that sparked definitely my interest. I also learned a few instruments before and afterwards, um, but similar here, I was probably not meant to have a career as a musician, but uh, later on uh, I pursued uh, computer science and specialized on music analysis because here I could finally combine the interest of computers and music, and that uh, was, was indeed very interesting, and then I pursued my master thesis and later on a PhD on that topic. And that was just perfectly combining an interest of the early age uh, with computers and music into a research field that could, I could pursue and even then um, create a company later on out of this. Well, it's very interesting. It's a little bit like me. I also say, well, um, I do normally say I'm not a musician, but I've learned now that in a way we all are musicians in, in different ways. We have this love also for music and then thanks to technology, we are able to... To, to expand it and, and scale it. Um, you and me, we met uh, during uh, the Future Pulse project in Athens, actually. Uh, and Future Pulse is a European research project with the aim to build a tech product that looks into predicting future trends in music and identifying emerging artists and predicting the popularity of the songs. And now, after all these years, the Future Pulse platform is currently in beta stage, which is amazing because I've been speaking to our friend, uh, common friend, Daniel Johansson, and it's often that the Horizon 2020 projects don't really develop into a real functional project. So I'm interested and our listeners are interested to understand what is Future Pulse? How did it start? Who are the partners behind it? And who are the product for? And where are you going next now? Okay, yeah, great. Um, I mean, Future Pulse uh, started in 2017. That's uh, quite a while ago now. And indeed, it's uh, not automatically granted that something that starts as a research idea emerges in an actual product and something that can be launched on the market. But here, we did achieve this and we're very proud of this. And yeah, let me tell you a bit more about Future Pulse. So that's a European, a cross-European initiative. And um, what's the first thing that is really interesting about it is a, a very interesting blend of uh, technical partners, research partners, and um, uh, music industry partners. Um, we got here the famous IRCAM uh, Institute, Centre Pompidou in Paris, uh, that does a lot of uh, research in music, music analysis, and um, music production also. Um, then uh, we have uh, BMAT, Barcelona Music Audio Technology, that are famous for their radio monitoring. Um, we have here CERT, is a department of the Institute of Technology in uh, Greece uh, that is uh, pursuing a lot of research in um, online data analysis, social media analysis, but also trend metrics, uh, trend predictions uh, for artists, for example, for genres in, in, in the music. Um, then we have uh, Musimap here, our company. Um, we, uh, our core element is really semantic music analysis, uh, where we extract information such as styles, the genres, the time of beats per minute, um, the vocal gender, but uh, last but not least, 
we do a lot of uh, mood and emotional analysis. So we brought that in, into Future Pulse, but we also developed a new engine um, about track popularity prediction. So we measure how a track is performing immediately after the release on online uh, platforms, streaming platforms and, and online uh, social media platforms, um, such as yeah, in the streaming world, YouTube and um, Spotify and Deezer. Um, we look also at the radio monitoring and um, try to get all these indicators and predict how this track is gonna perform in the near future, how it's gonna do uh, right after the release. So that's a core topic of Future Pulse, but it's not the only one. So um, we built a platform in futurepulse.eu, which you can access and try at this moment already, um, where we index on a daily basis uh, a large roster of artists and their, all their tracks and releases. And you can get up-to-date figures on how they're doing on these different platforms, um, how they're embedded in, in different countries, how they're doing compared to other artists in different countries, and then uh, what genres are emerging, what artists are emerging. Um, you can get a dashboard seeing all the metrics of those um, artists, and then you get these predictions. That's something, um, there's not many um, solutions for this out where you not only gather all the figures on one centralized dashboard, but you get actually a prediction of the future, what's going to be uh, happening next with the artist and the release. That's why it's called Future Pulse. Um, the project has been developed for three years. We received now, as you said, a beta stage, and we're looking on how to further commercialize this. And we are happy for everyone who wants to give this a test and help us uh, through feedback to, to know how to further improve this. And I've actually uh, tested it myself. Who would you say is your clients that uh, would benefit from this product? Yeah, first of all, um, I forgot to mention, so I mentioned the technical partners, uh, but then uh, we have three use case partners in the project that are meant to be the prototypical and the first early adopters of this solution in the market. And we want to address three different domains, which we identified very early on in the beginning of the project as the um, use cases. So these we call them the use case partners. And here we have Soundtrack Your Brand, which is a Spotify subsidiary, and you have been working there. Um, yeah, so this is a very interesting collaboration there because Soundtrack Your Brand is responsible for playing out music different stores. So it's an in store music solution uh, where you obviously need to adapt the music um, to the people, to the target groups of a certain date, uh, a certain time of the day. Um, and that can be very different uh, scenarios, like a store where you buy clothes or um, a restaurant uh, or a restaurant chain where you uh, want to have breakfast or lunch or dinner, um, uh, fitness and hotels chains. They, they all have very different needs in terms of what music selection they need to do. So you need to specify like a certain energy of music, a certain era of music, a certain um, trendiness. Um, this is all parameters that we can determine by this combination of the audio analytics that we do and the online um, analytics that we do of measures that we get for the songs. And then uh, another um, use case partner uh, that helps us a lot on getting this um, done to, um, to, to, to really fulfill the needs of music industry here is a label and that is Playground Music, uh, one of the biggest labels in Scandinavia. Um, they have a couple of thousand artists and we track all these artists and can provide early on the indicators of how the, their new releases are doing on the different platforms and how they will do by the predictive functionality that we have. And the third use case and use case partner here is Sonar, uh, well known probably as a festival 
operator festival organizer in Barcelona, in Spain. Um, they are world famous, they do festivals not only in Barcelona, but in other cities and other countries that reach from Dubai to um, Argentina, I believe. Um, and uh, they are in need always to have the latest uh, trends in, in different genres and different artists, like uh, who are the emerging artists in this sector. They, they are mostly an electronic music festival, but also uh, avant-garde. They want to represent avant-garde uh, artists, and that is very difficult because nowadays with millions of artists emerging and uh, you have some uh, trending on YouTube al already, but how do you find the trending ones on YouTube? And uh, we take care of measuring these early indicators uh, that show us who are the interesting or likely to become interesting artists and help the festival organizers also and live uh, venues um, to, to identify the artists they could um, feature in, in the near term. Very impressive. Uh, I must though say that I was blessed uh, to be able and fortunate to be able to work with you guys and, and learn a lot from you because you, you are the European expert in this area. But however, I do must say that it's challenging for, for somebody like me that really don't understand the deep tech. What is exactly, if you could explain it as simple as possible for us, what is semantic audio analysis and music recommendation? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, we want to make uh, the usage of all these tools as simple as possible. So for future files, we build a very compelling UI. You log in, you get nice dashboards and everything. So we hide the deep and uh, the complex technology behind it. Uh, similarly, at Music Map, uh, where we have our portal, uh, where you can upload any music you want and you get it tagged with uh, dozens of parameters, dozens of indicators that we determine in the music. So um, when we talk about semantic audio analysis, what does it mean? So first of all, um, I don't have a, a background in musicology, but we do work with musicologists in-house at MusiMap. So we have the fresh and uh, with a long lasting experts, our founder, Pierre Lebec, uh, has more than 25 years experience in different fields in music, music psychology, but also film selecting music for film and advertising as a music supervisor. And this knowledge helps to, to, to talk with the experts, to rely on, on how they annotate data, and we learn from the experts. We learn physically in the, as, a, as a scientist, as a data scientist here. Um, I didn't mention, but I'm the chief innovation officer. I mean, you mentioned it, yeah. At uh, MusiMap, that means I'm responsible for the AI and data science. Uh, but also how we train AI based on uh, music experts' knowledge. And here we talk about semantic audio analysis. So what does it mean? We usually start with analyzing the signal in the music. So there, there's platforms out there which rely fully on just user interaction, like thumbs up, thumbs down, or how people uh, react to playlists. Um, that is very well working if you have millions of users and can gather a lot of data. But what if you don't have that? And we, we try to tackle this by directly analyzing um, the thing we're talking about here, that is music. So we, we're going down to the signal, um, reading that signal. And yeah, obviously the signal only tells you so, so much. So the art of a data scientist to, is to find out methods. What part of the signal do we analyze? How do we treat the signal? How do we read um, the tempo? The tempo, you can sometimes, like if you're an audio, um, if you are into audio editing, you see the, these waveforms and you see, you can see the rhythm and you can see the big amplitude 
um, you can see what's going on if you do a spectrum analysis. That's usually the colorful interpretation of the frequencies of the music. As a human, as an expert in the in the audio field, you can see already a lot. So is there uh, a lot of bass? Is there high notes in the music? So the art of, of the data science department here is to find algorithms, to find methods, to read that spectrum in a, in a meaningful way. And um, we started out with this, but nowadays we train artificial intelligence. So AI doing that, um, deep learning is a, is a keyword here that is in, in many people's, that is shared a lot now in the, in the media now. This is not just a buzzword, it's an actual technology that is there, it's there to stay. Um, it's currently the state of the art of um, uh, AI and uh, analysis with AI. And we train such deep learning models on human knowledge, on the knowledge that our musicologists provide. Um, and these uh, types of neural networks, so deep learning or deep neural networks, they're a type of neural networks and part of AI sector, um, they can be trained um, with a vast amount of knowledge. And MuseMap is one of the few companies that has really a vast amount of this annotations like descriptions of music like how do you imagine that so we have our musicologists they sit down listen to track and describe it in every detail they can they they tell us the tempo uh what key it is but also um typically in a song we annotate 20 moods uh six different genres with intensities so we know that the song is uh, mostly pop but partially also soul uh, and r b and uh, we know all these different nuances in the music and that's what makes a difference because um, you can train an AI with a, with a few hundred examples um, just with a, with a genre, but then it will learn only so much. But with that vast database we have of these annotations, we can do a lot with the AI and we manage that is actually recognizing uh, emotions. And when we say music recognition, we detect um, all of these concepts in the music, semantic music analysis means we extract meaning out of it. And the meaning, meaning, you know, the styles, the moods and emotions, uh, we know the tempo and so on. So this is the goal here and we achieved that goal. And yeah, we can talk later um, what we built out of, what we made out of this. So how did then the adventure of Music Map start? And how did you, uh, were you able to nail this impressive uh, position based on your background and being the, uh, CEO and previous founder of the music discovery startup Spectral Mind. Okay, so we 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 took this university research and uh, created uh, Spectral Mind, a startup company out of Vienna, um, and yeah, that was an exciting journey. Uh, we built uh, a new audio similarity engine back then in 2008-2009 um, and confronted the market with it. Um, we figured out it was a bit too early, so people were still busy with managing um, all the, the traditional metadata, getting the album cover and the album title and artist title right. Uh, so we were kind of uh, confusing them with what's this new technology that can suddenly extract uh, genres and, and tempo and all these things automatically and build an acoustic similarity search. Um, that was new to the market. So we had to uh, reshape it a bit and pack it into a fancy interface. We also like, at that time we learned a lot how important UI UX is, so the user experience at the end of the day, and um, uh, created compelling web interfaces. And when the iPad was launched in 2010, we had directly jumped also on the iPad and uh, pivoted to a B2B to C model where we created also uh, a compelling app for discovering music by the, by the consumers, by the app 
um, users uh, in the first year of the iPad. So that was pretty amazing. Um, that sparked also interest of the big companies. Um, the yeah, the, all those those guys that provide uh, smartphones and and tablets, and uh, we talked about an in-car solution and so on. Uh, but we still had to refine the product a lot. Uh, and yeah, it was a long ride, but uh, this, uh, my first startup here, Spectral Mind, didn't make it and we had to close down in uh, 2012, um, uh, 2013 actually, um, after five years, which was a very exciting ride with a lot of learnings. And I do not want to miss the, the startup life. And um, I went back to university to uh, continue the research for two years and was part then of a project called Music Bricks. Um, that uh, was uh, also run by Michaela Magas, if you, if you know her, um, who created also the Music Tech Fest. So that was an interesting journey because now I had a role which was bridging um, research with uh, the startup world and the industry world. And that was the perfect role for me at that time because I had learned uh, and seen both worlds, uh, university research, academic research, and then what you need as a startup that you don't need necessarily the best technology uh, up to 100%, but you need to build a compelling product that sparks people's interest and is usable. So all these factors we didn't count in in the beginning. And that learning was very wealthy here. Um, and uh, Music Bricks was kind of gathering technological bricks, as the name says, in, 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 in the music domain and packaging them in a way they would be very useful for startups. Uh, or uh, companies in the music industry. And we, we did uh, hackathons along this music tech fest um, for people to spark new ideas, um, very creative people. We had a lot of people that had design background or music background. It wasn't so much important that they had a technological background because the technological bricks were brought in by the, by the universities who were participating in that project. Um, and uh, the, the fun part was that there were a lot of creative ideas like, uh, someone mounted an uh, audio recording device underneath a skateboard to create uh, soundscapes and uh, create visuals out of this while riding the skateboard. And um, yeah, or things that determine um, um, how you uh, play the guitar and adapts and AI that adapts and suggests your rhythm or suggests you new, uh, new stuff to play based on, on your flow that you have while, while playing. And there was a lot of creative ideas. Some of them were pursued into startups and we provided the tech and the advice, advice for this. So this project lasted 18 months and then uh, that was a very nice uh, achievement. And towards the end of the project, at one of these Music Tech Fest events, I met Musimap and that was the exciting part here. Um, so that was a, a key moment because we sat together at dinner uh, and it, after talking for a while, it was very clear that I, would be super eager to join a company like Musimap, and Musimap would be super eager and in need of, uh, of a guy like me uh, that had some background in semantic audio analysis and um, doing using machine learning uh, to uh, analyze music, and that's exactly what they needed at the time. So I was there at the right time, and also my project ended, so it was an obvious choice uh, to join Musimap at the time. That was late 2015, early 2016. Uh, when we when we got together as a team, and what is the what is the music map? Tell us about them and their story, how they started out. So music map had already uh, a history before that. Um, the founder of the company is Pierre Lebec. As I mentioned, he's a long term 
musicologist, um, music psychologist, and also worked in film industry, music, created music, uh, created soundtracks for movies. And he was also working together with <clears throat> Olivier. <clears throat> and um, they annotated uh, a lot of music over a time span of 15 years. So this is, so MuseMap is now around for five years, uh, 15 years earlier, so in total about 20 years, um, they have been describing music and they had a big team uh, that helped them. So it was kind of a, a research project where they gathered more and more people that helped describing the world's music catalog. They reached uh, more than a million songs, but because they were, they were so motivated uh, by doing this manually because they, uh, yeah, they, all, they didn't know about AI when they started this. They wanted to do this manually and map out the music's world. That's why the company is named Music Map because they li literally wanted to create a map of music where you, where is, you can imagine it like Google Maps. Uh, you have a landscape, you have a, a map uh, where there's different areas for different genres. And then the, the more you zoom in, you see the key artists that created that are the ambassadors of those genres. And this, the more you zoom in, you get to the latest fresh new artists, the latest fresh new releases, and then you diverge and go in another path and dive into other genres. And then later on, there's an area where there are new genres and new artists emerging. And so they saw this as a global map of music and that's still the spirit and the DNA of, of MusiMap. Um, in five years ago, the company was recreated also, Frederick Notte was on board already in the predecessor project as the CTO, who took care about uh, all the technical parts, um, like managing the wealth of data, putting it correctly in a database that made uh, connections between the artists and the albums, uh, etc. Uh, and then, yeah, the company was launched. They were looking for how to, to bring this to the next level. The, the answer was already on the table. Um, this needed um, AI, this needed some machine learning input, uh, artificial intelligence to bring this to the next level. And I was the guy uh, who brought that in. I had that experience and knowledge already because I was starting my research 2004 and then my uh, company 2008. So uh, then, yeah, about eight years later, uh, I had a lot of knowledge there that would fit perfectly to MusiMap. Wow. And, and part of your job, everyday job, is to analyze emotion, moves, and styles from the global catalog of music, as you mentioned. And you have so far, as I've read, detected emotions in 35 million tracks. And it is said that every day there's like 20,000 tracks created. And your goal is to reach to all the track on the earth. That is right now, I think it's 70 million plus. And I've also read that your company's goal is to become the ultimate music assistant, uh, to solve the problem for the listeners, to navigate through all these million tracks, to understand their taste, their personality, and their mindset in social uh, context to be able to offer them the best music uh, recommendation. And I, I've read research that says that when you're listening to the music you love, your brain it brings out all this emotional dopamine and happiness in you. So that is super important then for, for the listeners. Uh, from the lens of AI, how have you and your team built this ultimate music assistant, decoded the DNA of music? Uh, and please then walk us through your products that is called Music Match, Music Motion, and Music Me. <laughs> yeah, with pleasure. Um, yeah. So first of all, yeah, this is not uh, an easy journey. So on the one hand, I mentioned already, 
Um, you might have services that learn a lot from user interaction, but we don't have that. We try, we aim to um, analyze music as it is, um, and we start out independent of users. But obviously, uh, as you said, there is the mood in music, but moods, um, music triggers emotion in the, in the human, in the people. Um, that's what's the beauty of music at, at, at the end. And th these correlations are very interesting. And uh, they, they might be different per each uh, person um, because some people relate to happy, mellow pop music a lot, but some people just hate it. And they, are, they enjoy the most if they listen to very dark, heavy metal music and that gives them pleasure uh, and joy. Uh, and similarly, when you're sad, some people want to have sad music because they are in that mood and uh, that they need that. And some other people want happy music in that uh, moment to cheer them up. And this is all different per each individual, uh, for each person. Um, so that is a challenge. Um, but we looked into that. So our aim here uh, is not directly to map out the people's emotion from the music directly, but to analyze in the first step moods in the music. So we that there we created um, a, a taxonomy that we think is, is, a, is a good taxonomy um, that can be used uniquely um, to describe moods in music. We are always striving on refining that. It's also a question of how you make this universally globally applicable. So we believe the annotations we have done to the music that helps the AI learn that, that is objectifiable and we can extract um, uh, the moods from the music, no matter uh, in which country you are, which cultural background you have, because that's the next step. Whatever you put as a label on the moods, whether it's in English, um, uh, something that's called uh, romantic or melodramatic, that word can change in different languages, but it's still what we detect in with the AI is still the mood that we want to represent by this. And even if we translate that word differently in different countries, um, okay, there might be nuances in the interpretation of the words, but our first step is to gather those moods in an objectified, objectified way. And there we have been working a lot in this teamwork with our musicologists and data science and the building that AI that can manage that. And then we get to the next, next step. Now it's about, okay, what, what do users do? Um, so our new product, Music Me, um, I'll, I'll talk about the other products later, but the Music Me here, uh, we are analyzing the playlist or the listening history of the people. So if I know what people usually listen to, and then I analyze the last five songs, songs you listen to, um, I can gather those moods in the music that are kind of um, more objectified, but I can map it out and um, put it in the context of your current listening situation. So given that you listen to these five songs, I might deduct that you are right now in a, in a more, um, that you might be working because you need something um, fast paced or something that inspires you or that you might be doing sports or that you might be in a, in a happy mood or in a sad mood, that's simplified. But we, 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 we have shown that by just analyzing a couple of tracks, uh, we can deduct in what uh, emotional state you are. We're not claiming that we know everything about you. Obviously for that, we would need to do some uh, body sensing and things like that. That's, uh, we can talk about this in the future. We have been exploring this in hackathons, but it's not what we're doing today. Right now, we try to relate the moods we analyze for music to the emotions um, that they, that, that are attached to the people at the moment they listen versus the long-term listening history of the users, which we call uh, the personality profile. So we, we, if we talk about 
let's say I analyze your three years of Spotify listening history uh, by what we can de detect in the music, we get a very good idea who you are. I can show later the demo. Um, you are what you listen to is a demo we created that uh, gives a very interesting description of you as a person. Um, and this is what we are aiming for. This is the latest uh, product, Music Me, uh, that describes the me, the person. Um, the earlier products we created are Music Match. Uh, Music Match is a uh, sound-like, sound similarity system that is meant more for professionals in film and advertising. We usually cater this product to uh, people in production music, offering production music libraries. So uh, libraries where you usually don't know the artists very well and you don't know the music very well. So you're very much in need of new search possibilities. And we offer that by allowing you to give an example. You can even enter a popular track um, or any track you want and it brings up um, similar alternatives in acousticness. So similar acoustic um, so, uh, songs that are similar in acoustics. And you can refine that search result by different categories as you want, like tempo, BPM, uh, and uh, genres uh, and moods. And Music Motion, um, we derive this from the emotion. Um, and uh, Music Motion is, is about tagging. So here we work with Warner Music, for example, um, who uh, were very eager to adopt that product um, to label the entire Warner Music catalog as it is uh, there today. Um, and we have done that. Um, and Music Motion, this is where all of our deep learning based uh, AI models come in. Uh, we uh, trained different uh, AI models for detecting genres and styles, another one for moods, another one for rhythmic moods. We also detect the tempo and these acoustic attributes like key and uh, tonality. Um, and uh, we also capable of detecting whether the song is instrumental or vocal or whether it has a very um, high-pitched voice, low-pitched voice, which usually is attached to uh, male or female voices that some of our customers are interested to. So Music Motion is a, is a tagging and labeling product um, that can be used both as in addition to Music Match as a filter, and it enriches also what we can do in Music Me uh, for the mood detection. Th then I'm interested to understand something then. Uh, everybody's talking about machines can't become emotional right that makes us different between the humans and the machines but you guys talking about creating a humanized algorithm to teach a machine about human emotions is this possible if so how because i i saw a conference the, the california music tech conference that you were in in 18, uh, 2018 and you talked about human fused ai and working with feedback loops explain about that yeah that's the interesting part so um we talk about humanized AI because we don't believe you can just say um, you train AI on data. Obviously, I'm, I have a data science background. Okay, there's also this term called data is the new oil. Um, data is everything and you just feed enough data to an AI and you get out, you get your, wish, your AI of your dreams out of it. I don't fully believe in this. I believe there's a lot of human steps in this. Even on data science side, we need to take care a lot about how do we do this. We facing the challenge, for example, in Music Map, that it's not that a song has just 10 emotions and that's it, and all of them are equal, and it's the same with genres. If you ask um, uh, 10 people of which, which genre that song is, you get probably seven different answers. And some people say, yeah, it's uh, pop music, and others say, no, but this is soul. And with a, there's also a spark of uh, uh, jazz in there and so on. Um, 
we we try to tackle this so when we say humanized because we see this is the level of humans this is how humans would describe music annotate music um feel music and perceive music and this is in the very dna of music map that we since the beginning um worked with uh people who have a strong background in music uh who are musicologists and help us build this uh ai and um uh, through through data analysis so i do not like to reduce this to data analytics it's indeed we are working with music that's actually a one um, beautiful part of, of this job is that we work with music we work with people who describe music <clears throat> and uh, when we say humanized algorithm that means we cannot just train an AI and that's it done. So we typically have a lot of loops where we say, okay, now let's give it back to the people um, who know the most about music, to the music experts again, and see how they would judge the AI's output. And there's a lot of iteration here already uh, where they say, okay, here's a nuance that the AI didn't get exactly right. So let's refine it a bit. And we are constantly doing this and it takes Took, uh, takes us usually months to to get out the new version of the product because we're taking so much care of these fine-grained nuances which is human at the end of the day it's not something you say okay this is a technology put it out there it's there and does the job till the rest of our days um, it is a refinement process with humans when we talk about feedback loop we try we want to give this uh, possibility also to our customers so uh, when we bring out our product and somebody licenses it and, and gets all these results of our analysis, like uh, the moods and um, genres and so on, um, they can give us feedback and tell us back, hey, I don't 100% agree with this genre. I don't, maybe this song is pop, but I don't agree it's alternative rock. Uh, and this feedback is coming back to us. And in the next uh, feedback loop, we're gonna, it's also updating um the ai in 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 learning over time that these fine-grained nuances it's not an automated process at this time so we can't think of a we don't want a system right now that anyone shoots at it and tells us hey no i don't agree to this and i don't agree to that and uh, it's updating itself because then it's probably getting crazy like some of these social twitter experiments uh, with uh, uh, chat chat bots that got crazy we don't want that we want to have this humanized aspect we want to build a, an AI that understands uh, emotion, but we're gonna go step by step. And we we want to receive that feedback of the customers, but also work as close as possible with uh, people in music, with music background to refine that AI. So we're tapping into this, somebody coined the term internet of emotions. Yeah, I don't want to philosophize about this um, to a large extent, but uh, we do uh, say that we built uh, an emotion-aware AI because we we took so many steps to refine it with the human input. So when I was working at Soundtrack Around at Future Pulse, I did a testing where you could take the different adjectives and genres and emotions and throw it out to a thousand respondents, and then you can get an indication because there is a challenge about subjectivity and objectivity, right? But I do believe if you ask a big group, then you can get an indication around what this uh, music sounds like or how you perceive the emotions. Is that what you're doing or is that something that you will be interested in doing to get closer to being more objective? Very good point, yeah. So right now, we're uh, trying to get to this objectiveness by having multiple annotators uh, 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 on a song and then comparing. Obviously, 
this could be very interesting um, asking, yeah, 100 people, well, a dozen people, 100 people, 1,000 people. But for the same song with the scale that we have, where we want to get thousands and millions of songs, um, yeah, this is a lot of effort. There has been a lot of effort done. So right now we're doing looking into what quality get we, do we get out there and how we can improve this. But definitely in either way, whether you ask uh, music experts or the bigger crowd of these attributes in music, you will get uh, uh, a broader uh, range of feedback. Not everyone agrees on the same genre to the same extent, but that is a good thing. We embrace that because um, from the start, we never believed to put one tag on one uh, song. We always annotated at least three to six genres with percentages, like how, how strong we believe is this genre and uh, the next one and the next one. So by, by default, a song is never in one drawer. It is attached to, to multiple uh, labels. It's still a genre label. It's something that the human made up. It's still not fully objective, but at least we try to get a coherent um, taxonomy of genres and moods uh, where you can attach a song to multiple of those without the necessity and saying, you are in this box and you are in this box. We wanted to avoid that from the beginning. And the more feedback we get for a single song, yeah, that's correct, the more they might diverge. There's obviously an agreement. There has been measured an agreement between music experts about 85%, they, they agree. That's a reasonable value. And that's something we, that was our first aim when we built the first version of the engine to get there as well, where we would uh, output something that 85% of people would agree. And then we have these little nuances where you have smaller genres that appear like with an intensity of 30% or so. Yeah, you, that's you, how, we, how we want to overcome this. Yeah. You, you put a lot of effort in this and music is a complex language. And me knowing it, that you're not the only one trying to solve this, like decoding DNA of music, then if everybody is sitting in their like offices trying to figure out their own lexicology, but what if we put, like, then, then who is accurate, right? Who does it correctly? Is, could it be that you all guys go together and try to create, like, a universal lexicology for decoding DNA for music? And universal lexicology on the one hand be desirable. Uh, it depends also, like, uh, on the big companies that have these uh, big uh, catalogs, such as all the, the streaming companies, Apple, Musify, um, title and so on. Um, on the other hand, the small labels like to have their own taxonomies because they want to diversify the artists and give them a different attribution uh, and the artists themselves obviously too. So we try to accommodate both worlds. So we suggest the taxonomy that we created. We do have mappings, we do have uh, synonyms. So we can actually translate between taxonomies. There has been effort, I think also Deezer is looking into this, how to translate uh, one taxonomy into another that could be done for genres, also for moods. There is a recent uh, research output on how to do that. That can be done both um, with semantic uh, word interpretation, mapping different terms in different languages to other terms. That's something we have been doing also with the synonyms we provide to all the genres and moods that we have. Uh, our database knows about 4,000 synonyms. So whenever you search in our database, although we provide like 70 genres and 60 moods, um, you can search by these 4,000 terms to find something. Um, that is also helpful, like if you think of up and coming use cases, let's say voice activation and smart homes and smart devices. Um, if you tell your personal assistant, hey, play me music that is um, 
melancholic um, and then someone else uses another word just for meaning about the same we're capable of doing that because we have these 4000 uh, synonyms already um, and then yeah we could look deeper into the mapping of the taxonomy this is not our direct mission that is more the kind of uh, the people who are uh, creating these um, streaming platforms who need to know how important uh, a genre classification is for them um, what we do know though is that there is standards such as the DDEX standard that is uh, meant to define an exchange format of how metadata around music is exchanged that's starting from album artist to title to album cover and so on and those tags that we for example provide like our music motion product provides tagging extra tags we call this um, um, additional semantic tags like genres music tempo bpm key and mode and so on uh, we try to accommodate this in the DDEX standard uh, there was recently uh, a meeting about this uh, speaking both about taxonomies and also how to accommodate that um, one song is not um, attached to a single genre but multiple ones and there might be even a percentage level or like a distribution like um, main genres this one secondary genres this one tertiary uh, genres this one and uh, all of this is currently being discussed in these uh, standards like DDEC. so um, this is our mood taxonomy it starts with six mood families they are called uh, air water fire uh, and so on about the uh, six elements here um, that is not super important. That is just the inspiration where this came from um, with postures that are attached to um, traditional Chinese um, systems. But then on the next uh, level, we have 18 so-called subfamilies that are called happiness, extroversion. Um, then we have good vibrations, roots, warrior, playfulness, um, nourishment, love, withdrawal, and so on. And they are further subdivided then. So we have here on the outer level, uh, 256 different moods that we can characterize. And our AI training database has been annotated to that level. Right now we have trained our AI only for about 60 moods that we can um, uh, predict and annotate. Uh, that's what you get in the product. But this mood taxonomy, this is the full taxo mood taxonomy that we are aware of. It knows about 256 different attributes there are even more synonyms as i mentioned earlier so in the end you can search by tacky or unconventional or extravagant or flashy um, reckless and things like this um, what we do now is uh, yeah something like extroversion happiness and so on so this is um, uh, the, the detail of moods that we are able to capture of the music and and what if uh, can 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 a can a can a person go in and like a little bit right the same way that you look for stuff in in Google like do Google search for music like say you want I want a happy song for when you're walking on the beach. <laughs> yeah, so we do have around um, the product music motion. We have something that is called the advanced search engine where you can combine all of this. You can say yeah. Give me, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that we also annotate situations. So yeah, happy music on the beach, faster than uh, 120 BPM, and a little bit of, uh, of uh, romanticism. And um, it has to be one out of these three genres. That is, that is a query you can do, yeah. We provide mostly APIs to our customers. So they usually build the front end and the search engines. Uh, what I did is I searched uh, a song on YouTube, Coldplay Clocks, 
um, and then uh, it's just popping up there as you're used to, to it from YouTube. And then I go into the browser um, um, and browser's uh, web address and copy the URL and go and switch to our uh, 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 interface. Here it's called, this is what you listen to, but it's essentially an interface to uh, Museum Motion. And I can either upload a song, I can find a song that we pre-analyzed in our in our uh, million uh, in our song uh, database, and or I paste simply a web link here, and I'm entering here this track from from YouTube and click analyze. And you will see within uh, seconds it's analyzing that track, and it can be I can use any track on YouTube, and it's bringing back the results. So this is Coldplay Clocks, the official video, and we see here it detected the key is a. Uh, uh, G flat, uh, uh, G hash, my, G sharp minor, um, BPM 131 BPM. It's not an instrumental song. It's a male voice. Uh, we have uh, about 35% rhythm present, so it's not that intensive, intense of a rhythm perspective, but we get 83% of spectral energy. Um, the song is composed of the genres rock, pop rock, indie rock, electro pop, pop, and it Apparently, also detected a little bit of folk here. Um, and then in terms of moods, we get moods such as sentimental, friendly, sensibility, uh, refined, soothing, good vibrations, innocent, melodramatic, determined, and meditative. Uh, you get the percentage and you get an interpretation here also of what these moods mean. mean. If we scroll further down, we have the rhythmic moods. Uh, there are only five possible rhythmic moods to tell you whether it's more quiet or more a staccato song, a more flowing song. This one is somewhere, something in between. Uh, and here we got the situations detected. So this Coldplay song um, is good for Sunday morning. Also, if you're alone and reflective, but at the same time, it can be used for candlelight dinner, for example. I guess you get there the idea. Go. That was what yeah. I was looking for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and then later on, I don't have this demo up and running here now. You could reverse this and search. So they say, give me all the songs that are meant for a situation where I'm alone and reflective, but has still good vibrations, is soothing, and is out of electropop. That theory can do, and it brings up all the songs that match that. Wow. And, and then I tried it the other one that it was like it was going to choose, the, you choose the playlist that you've it, created on Spotify, and then it tells you about something about you. And I must say, it got me correctly, because I'm an NTG. And it actually did say I'm an NTG, <laughs> which few wow, people perfect. are. There's only like one percent in women in the world that is NTG, and he got it right. Wow. wow. Well, let's give the the listeners and viewers an idea of what this is about. So here we're talking about what I mentioned as music me, which interprets the person based on their uh, listening history and listening um, patterns. Yeah. So we claim you are what you listen to. This is our compelling demo, and obviously it convinced uh, Jasmine as it as it um, convinced many others before. Um, so um, let's see here. I connect to Spotify usually. I need to get and select one out of my playlist of Spotify, and a good choice is obviously a longer playlist that characterizes you well. For example, here my top playlist 2019 that Spotify created automatically for me. So I'm going to select this one. And here is what this playlist tells about me in this case. We should have done your playlist because yeah. we were so excited about it. So um, let's start here with another tab. So first of all, we see again what it analyzed here. What we saw for a single song before 
is here the breakdown of the music I was listening to in the year 2019. So I have a breakdown of all the moods in the, that appear in that music and the genres. It's a mix somewhere, EDM, techno, pop, uh, dancehall, house, uh, chill out, and so on. Um, and then you see this reflected in the moods. And we feed this into the engine that analyzes all the music that we've been listening to and sorry, tries to map it also on uh, personality traits. Um, one thing here is the so-called big five that are called openness, consciousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, where I get different bars here, more in consciousness and agreeableness than on extroversion, openness, and neuroticism. Um, we have uh, something that's called the Enneagram, uh, where you're um, classified into one, well, into one or more out of nine archetypes. So here, mostly a number five, a type five investigator, but I'm also partially a challenger and a perfectionist, okay? Interesting. Um, <laughs> I would say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, you would say that. Okay, you know me. <laughs> um, partially, I would say. Um, okay. <laughs> And then we got the, the famous uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator is used a lot in marketing, um, uh, also partially uh, in other uh, circumstances. And this is a, usually a four by four grid uh, where you like four different attributes are characterized and the strengths of those uh, extrovert, introvert and, and different opposites. And then you're one or two or sometimes in rare cases, four out of these uh, squares are highlighted for you. And in my case, I'm an ESTP, I'm a doer and promoter, according to this, and secondary a supervisor and a guardian. And this is what you get there. If you're interested, you can read more about this. What are your strengths and weaknesses in this profile? Uh, and then you tell us ideally whether you agree with this or not. We have, I um, agree. <laughs> you agree, right. And there's many, many people who told us this. So we went to trade shows. We go every year to South by Southwest in Austin, in Texas. It's very exciting. And we showed this there and had people uh, trying it with their music. And there was even a person like listening exclusively to uh, dark heavy metal music. And I was really nervous when, when the person uh, did the demo. But the outcome was, yeah, it interpreted him uh, perfectly. He was happy with it. What, what is like the future looking like? So, so far we have been catering very well the music industry. We're covering different use cases such as uh, film and advertising and um, for example, the music supervisors that find music by acoustic examples. We cater to the labels by describing their music to an extent that they have never known, like with many, many uh, musical and acoustic attributes and these emotional um, uh, patterns. So with this tool that I've just shown to you, we provide it right now as a, as a fun demo for everyone to try, but we want to enter new markets. We want to go into um, sound branding. We can help companies like Soundtrack Your Brand, for example, for the in-store music to select it by target group. Like this Myers-Briggs type indica indicator is about um, different, uh, it's about market research and different uh, people's personalities, pe people's, uh, target um, it's about target groups yeah so you could go and define like hey here I have the store uh, here's my target group but in the morning I want to target to these people in the afternoon I have more customers from this um, customer domain um, can you provide the music and before you had to define all these attributes now we want to make this easier you can e even either define the target group directly by this uh, profile like the MBTI or the Enneagram 
or we allow you to enter like product and brand attributes and you find the music and the people for it. And with this, we want to enter this advertising and e-commerce space, which start, could start with sound branding, but uh, we also want to go to cater to the advertisers directly when they need music for a campaign, for, for a spot. Um, we assist here the music supervisor, but it could be used also as a sync tool uh, where you find the appropriate music for a video. Um, and then further down the road, um, this could open up um, realms in e-commerce where we say, okay, now we analyzed people's playlists. Um, we know the personality, like this person is more a thinker, this person is more a doer. Um, what other products can we recommend that person? This is, sparks a lot of interest for the, from the advertising industry. And this is something definitely we want to look at. And if you think it even further, you could enter the dating domain. Because if I know uh, I'm a thinker, doer, um, you are someone who's close to that, and there's someone else uh, that is not close to that, who is more compatible? We could, we could make that. That's something we put out as an idea there. Maybe we explore this on another hackathon. Uh, for now, we don't build a, a new dating portal, but we definitely want to pursue further this personality um, uh, estimation uh, based on music and then take it from there into different new spaces like uh, advertising, e-commerce or sound branding. Wow, I'm very, very impressed. Thank you very much, Thomas. And I will link everything on my website and let people try it. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, it was a real pleasure to be with you today. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for being such a great host. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Power of Audio, Science and AI. I'm Jasmine Maradi, your host, and thank you very much for listening. If you like this podcast and want to follow my journey towards discovering the secrets behind the power of audio, science and AI, then make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on my website, jazzmarad.com, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Google Play. I'm working towards increasing the value of music so that artists receive a fair share of the economic value they create in our society. So make sure to spread the words to your fellow brand leaders and business network through your social media. Stay tuned for my next episode where I will speak to Martin Villers, the co-founder of the Swedish speaker brand Transparent Sound. We're going to talk about the ultimate sound experience, sustainable design and lightning. This episode is supported by Stockholm Music City, recorded in the pop booth at the co-working space The Park in Stockholm and music by Skirk.